Section four of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty one to eighteen ninety. Section four when it was the seven hundred and eighty-fifth night she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that when hasan the goldsmith saw the magian his heart fluttered his hue changed and he smote hand upon hand then he said to the princesses o my sisters help me to the slaughter of this accursed for here he is come back and in your grasp and he leadeth with him captive a young moslem of the sons of the notables whom he is torturing with all manner of grievous torments lief would i kill him and console my heart of him and by delivering the young moslem from his mischief and restoring him to his country and kith and kin and friends fain would i lay up merit for the world to come by taking my wreak of him this will be an alms-deed from you and ye will reap the reward thereof from the almighty allah we hear and we obey allah and thee o our brother o hasan replied they and binding chin-veils armed themselves and slung on their swords after which they brought hasan a steed of the best and equipped him in panoply and weaponed him with goodly weapons then they all sallied out and found the magian who had slaughtered and skinned a camel ill-using the young moslem and saying to him sit thee in this hide so hasan came behind him without his knowledge and cried out at him till he was dazed and amazed then he came up to him saying hold thy hand o accursed o enemy of allah and foe of the moslems o dog o traitor o thou that flame dost obey o thou that walkest in the wicked one's ways worshipping the fire and the light and swearing by the shade and the heat herewith the magian turned and seeing hasan thought to wheedle him and said to him o my son how didst thou escape and who brought thee down to earth hasan replied he delivered me who hath appointed the taking of thy life to be at my hand and i will torture thee even as thou torturedest me the whole way long o miscreant o atheist thou hast fallen into the twist and the way thou hast missed and neither mother shall avail thee nor brother nor friend nor solemn covenant shall assist thee for thou saidest o accursed whoso betrayeth bread and salt may allah do vengeance upon him and thou hast broken the bond of bread and salt wherefore the almighty hath thrown thee into my grasp and far is thy chance of escape from me rejoined bahram by allah o my son o hasan thou art dearer to me than my sprite and the light of my eyes but hasan stepped up to him and hastily smote him between the shoulders that the sword issued gleaming from his throat tendons and allah hurried his soul to the fire and abiding place dire then hasan took the magian's bag and opened it then having taken out the kettle-drum he struck it with the strap whereupon up came the dromedaries like lightning so he unbound the youth from his bonds and setting him on one of the camels loaded him another with victual and water saying wend whither thou wilt so he departed after almighty allah had thus delivered him from his strait at the hands of hasan when the damsels saw their brother slay the magian they joyed in him with exceeding joy and got round him marvelling at his valour and prowess and thanked him for his deed and gave him joy of his safety saying o hasan thou hast done a deed 
whereby thou hast healed the burning of him that thirstest for vengeance and pleased the king of omnipotence then they returned to the palace and he abode with them eating and drinking and laughing and making merry and indeed his sojourn with them was joyous to him and he forgot his mother but while he led with them this goodly life one day behold there arose from the further side of the desert a great cloud of dust that darkened the welkin and made towards them when the princesses saw this they said to him rise o hasan run to thy chamber and conceal thyself or an thou wilt go down into the garden and hide thyself among the trees and vines but fear not for no harm shall befall thee so he arose and entering his chamber locked the door upon himself and lay lurking in the palace presently the dust opened out and showed beneath it a great conquering host as it were a surging sea coming from the king the father of the damsels now when the troops reached the castle the princesses received them with all honour and hospitably entertained them three days after which they questioned them of their case and tidings and they replied saying we come from the king in quest of you they asked and what would the king with us and the officers answered one of the kings maketh a marriage festival and your father would have you be present thereat and take your pleasure therewith the damsels inquired and how long shall we be absent from our place and they rejoined the time to come and go and to sojourn may be two months so the princess arose and going into the palace sought hasan acquainted him with the case and said to him verily this place is thy place and our house is thy house so be of good cheer and keep thine eyes cool and clear and feel nor grief nor fear for none can come at thee here but keep a good heart and a glad mind till we return to thee the keys of her chambers we leave with thee but o our brother we beseech thee by the bond of brotherhood in the very deed not to open such a door for thou hast no need thereto then they farewelled him and fared forth with the troops leaving hasan alone in the palace it was not long before his breast grew straightened and his patience shortened solitude and sadness were very heavy on him and he sorrowed for his severance from them with passing chagrin the palace for all its vastness waxed small to him and finding himself sad and solitary he bethought him of the damsels and their pleasant converse and recited these couplets the wide plain is narrowed before these eyes and the landscape troubles this heart of mine since my friends went forth by the loss of them joy fled and these eyelids rail floods of brine sleep shunned these eyeballs for parting woe and my mind is worn with sore pain and pine would i wot and time shall rejoin our lots and the joys of love with night-talk combine and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and eighty-sixth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that after the departure of the damsels hasan sat in the palace sad and solitary and his breast was straitened by severance he used to ride forth a-hunting by himself in the wold and bring back the game and slaughter it and eat thereof alone but melancholy and disquiet redoubled on him by reason of his loneliness so he arose and went round about the palace and explored its every part he opened the princess's apartments and found therein riches and treasures fit to ravish the beholder's reason but he delighted not in aught thereof by reason of their absence his heart was fired by thinking of the door they had charged him not to approach or open on any account and he said in himself my sister had never enjoined me not to open this door except there were behind it somewhat whereof she would have none to know 
but by allah i will arise and open it and see what is within though within it were sudden death then he took the key and opening the door saw therein no treasure but he espied a vaulted and winding staircase of yamani onyx at the upper end of the chamber so he mounted the stair which brought him out upon the terrace roof of the palace whence he looked down upon the gardens and verdures full of trees and fruits and beasts and birds warbling praises of allah the one the all-powerful and said in himself this is that they forbade to me he gazed upon these pleasances and saw beyond a surging sea dashing with clashing billows and he ceased not to explore the palace right and left till he ended at a pavilion builded with alternate courses two bricks of gold and one of silver and jacinth and emerald and supported by four columns and in the centre he saw a sitting-room paved and lined with a mosaic of all manner precious stones such as rubies and emeralds and balluses and other jewels of sorts and in its midst stood a basin brimful of water over which was a trellis work of sandalwood and aloes wood reticulated with rods of red gold and wands of emerald and set with various kinds of jewels and fine pearls each sized as a pigeon's egg the trellis was covered with a climbing vine bearing grapes like rubies and beside the basin stood a throne of ling aloes latticed with red gold inlaid with great pearls and comprising vari-coloured gems of every sort and precious minerals each kind fronting each and symmetrically disposed about it the birds warbled with sweet tongues and various voices celebrating the praises of allah the most high brief it was a palace such as nor caesar nor chosroes ever owned but hasan saw therein none of the creatures of allah whereat he marvelled and said in himself i wonder to which of the kings this place pertaineth or is it many-columned iram whereof they tell for who among mortals can avail to the like of this and indeed he was amazed at the spectacle and sat down in the pavilion and cast glances around him marvelling at the beauty of its ordnance and at the lustre of the pearls and jewels and the curious work which therein were no less than at the gardens and orchards aforesaid and at the birds that hymned the praises of allah the one the almighty and he abode pondering the traces of him who the most high had enabled to rear that structure for indeed he is much of might and presently behold he espied ten birds flying toward the pavilion from the heart of the desert and knew that they were making the palace and bound for the basin to drink of its waters so he hid himself for fear they should see him and take flight they lighted on a great tree and a goodly encircled round about it and he saw amongst them a bird of marvel beauty the goodliest of them all and the nine stood around it and did it service and hasan marvelled to see it peck them with its bill and lorded over them while they fled from it he stood gazing at them from afar as they entered the pavilion and perched on the couch after which each bird rent open its neck-skin with its claws and issued out of it and lo it was but a garment of feathers and there came forth therefrom ten virgins maids whose beauty shamed the brilliancy of the moon they all doffed their clothes and plunging into the basin washed and fell to playing and sporting with one another whilst the chief bird of them lifted up the rest and ducked them down and they fled from her and dared not put forth their hands to her when hasan beheld her thus he took leave of his right reason and his sense was enslaved so he knew that the princesses had not forbidden him to open the door save because of this 
for he fell passionately in love with her for what he saw of her beauty and loveliness symmetry and perfect grace as she played and sported and splashed the others with the water he stood looking upon them whilst they saw him not with eye gazing and heart burning and soul to evil prompting and he sighed to be with them and wept for longing because of the beauty and loveliness of the chief damsel his mind was amazed at her charms and his heart taken in the net of her love lo was loosed in his heart for her sake and there waxed on him a flame whose sparks might not be quenched and desire whose signs might not be hidden presently they came up out of that basin whilst hasan marvelled at their beauty and loveliness and the tokens of inner gifts in the elegance of their movements then he cast a glance at the chief damsel who stood mother naked and there was manifest to him what was between her thighs a goodly rounded dome on pillars borne like the bowl of silver or crystal which recalled to him the saying of the poet when i took up her shift and discovered the terrace roof of her case i found it as straight as my humour or eke my worldly ways so i thrust it incontinent in half-way and she heaved a sigh for what dost thou sigh quoth i for the rest of it sure she says then coming out of the water they all put on their dresses and ornaments and the chief maiden donned a green dress wherein she surpassed for loveliness all the fair ones of the world and the lustre of her face outshone the resplendent full moons she excelled the branches with the grace of her bending gait and confounded the wit with apprehension of disdain and indeed she was as saith the poet a maiden twas the dresser's art had decked with cunning slight the sun thou stay had robbed her cheek and shone with borrowed light she came to us apparelled fair in under vest of green like as the ripe pomegranate hides beneath its leafy screen and when we asked her what might be the name of what she wore she answered in a quaint reply that double meaning bore the desert's heart we penetrate in such apparel dressed and pierce heart therefore is the name by which we call the vest and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and eighty-seventh night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when hasan saw the damsels issue forth from the basin the chief maiden robbed his reason with her beauty and loveliness compelling him to recite the couplets forequoted and after dressing they sat talking and laughing whilst he stood gazing on them drowned in the sea of his love burning in the flames of passion and wandering in the wadi of his melancholy thought and he said to himself by allah my sister forbade me not to open the door but for cause of these maidens and for fear lest i should fall in love with one of them how o hasan shalt thou woo and win them how bring down a bird flying in the vasty firmament by allah thou hast cast thyself into the bottomless sea and snared thyself in a net whence there is no escape i shall die desolate and none shall wot of my death and he continued to gaze on the charms of the chief damsel who was the loveliest creature allah had made in her day and indeed she outdid in beauty all human beings she had a mouth magical as solemn seal and hair blacker than the night of estrangement to the love-despairing man her brow was bright as the crescent moon of the feast of ramazan and her eyes were like the eyes wherewith gazelles scan she had polished nose straight as a cane and cheeks like blood-red anemones of new Amman, lips like coraline and teeth like strung pearls and carcanets of gold 
virgin to man and a neck like an ingot of silver above a shape like a wand of ban her middle was full of folds a dimpled plain such as enforceth the distracted lover to magnify allah and extol his might and main and her navel an ounce of musk sweetest of savour could contain she had thighs great and plump like marble columns twain or bolsters stuffed with down from ostrich tain and between them a somewhat as it were a hummock great of span or a hair with ears back lain while terrace roof and pilasters completed the plan and indeed she surpassed the bow of the Myrobalan with her beauty and symmetry and the indian rattan for she was even as saith of them the poet whom love did unman her lip dews rival honey sweets that sweet virginity keener than hindi scimitar the glance she casts at thee she shames the bending bow of bon with graceful movement slow and as she smiles her teeth appear with leaven's brilliancy when i compared with rosa bloom the tintage of her cheeks she laughed in scorn and cried whoso compares with rosary my hue and breasts granados terms is there no shame in him how should pomegranates bear on boughs such fruit in form or blee now by my beauty and mine eyes and heart and eke by heaven of favours mine and by the hell of my unclemency they say she is a garden rose in the very pride of bloom and yet no rose can ape my cheek nor branch my symmetry if any garden own a thing which unto me's like what then is that he comes to crave of me and only me they ceased not to laugh and play whilst hazan stood still a-watching them forgetting meat and drink till near the hour of mid-afternoon prayer when the beauty the chief damsel said to her mates o king's daughters it waxeth late and our land is afar and we are weary of this stead come therefore let us depart to our own place so they all arose and donned their feather vests and becoming birds as they were before flew away all together with the chief lady in their midst then hasan despairing of their return would have arisen and gone down into the palace but could not move or even stand wherefore the tears ran down his cheeks and passion was sore on him and he recited these couplets may god deny me boon of troth if i after your absence sweets of slumber know yea since that severance never close mine eyes nor rest repose me since departed you twould seem as though you saw me in your sleep would heaven the dreams of sleep were real true indeed i dote on sleep though needed not for sleep may bring me that dear form to view then hasan walked on little by little heeding not the way he went till he reached the foot of the stairs whence he dragged himself to his own chamber then he entered and shutting the door lay sick eating not nor drinking and drowned in the sea of his solitude he spent the night thus weeping and bemoaning himself till the morning and when it morrowed he repeated these couplets the birds took flight at eve and winged their way and sinless he who died of love's death-blow i'll keep my love-tale secret while i can but and desire prevail its needs must show night brought me nightly vision bright as dawn while nights of my desire lack morning glow i mourn for them while they heart freest sleep and winds of love on me their plaything blow free i bestow my tears my wealth my heart my wit my sprite a most gain who most bestow the worst of woes and banes is enmity beautiful maidens deal us to our woe favour they say is forbidden to the fair 
and shedding lovers' blood their laws allow, that naught can lovesicks do but lavish soul, and stake in love-play life on single throw. I cry in longing ardor for my love, lover can only weep and wail love low. When the sun rose, he opened the door, went forth of the chamber, and mounted to the stead where he was before. Then he sat down facing the pavilion, and awaited the return of the birds till nightfall, but they returned not wherefore he wept till he fell to the ground in a fainting fit when he came to after his swoon he dragged himself down the stairs to his chamber and indeed the darkness was come and straightened upon him was the whole world and he ceased not to weep and wail himself through the live-long night till the day broke and the sun reigned over hill and dale its rays serene he ate not nor drank nor slept nor was there any rest for him but by day he was distracted, and by night distressed, with sleeplessness delirious, and drunken with melancholy thought, and excess of love-longing. And he repeated the verses of the love-distraught poet, O thou who shamest sun in morning sheen, the branch confounding, yet with nascence blessed, would heaven I what, and time shall bring return, and quench the fires which flame unmanifest, bring us together in a close embrace, thy cheek upon my cheek, thy breast abreast who saith in love dwell sweetness when in love are bitterer days than aloes bitterest and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of section four recorded by sylvia m b in washington state